That's all you have to do is kin him in half an hour. An introduction, actually, it's an introduction to an introduction. It's an introduction to an introduction. All right, you're all ready. Good. Okay. Half an hour. Um, let me just get to the beginning of the thing. Rabbi Eliezer ben Chisma Oima Kinin Upischei Nida Hain Hain Gufus Halachus The Gufus of the Gematrias the Parprias the Chochmas That comes from the whether it's the 18th Mishnah or the 23rd Mishnah of the 3rd Perak of Pirka Ovis which comes pretty much halfway through Pirka Ovis and here we have Rabbi Elizabeth Benachism now what is he actually saying now um, normally when I go to Shiorim and I've been psyched to hear the Rovs even I've heard the Rovs Shiorim you look around and you see people and some understand it some don't understand it some know more some know less um, the experiences I've had is that whenever I've spoken on this subject it's a level playing field and nobody seems to have a clue about this um, what I consider to be the most amazing piece of Talmudic work um, and so I really have to go quite slowly as much as I can and get the message across in half an hour so Rabbi Elizabeth Kisma first of all who was Rabbi Elizabeth Kisma you don't see a lot of him but when we do we find that he is almost the academic of that group of 2nd, 3rd century AD uh, Tanoim, uh, Rabbi Lozab ben Azaria, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Tarfan and he was considered to be the real academic. There's a Gemara in Horius I remember learning with David Shanta all those years ago that said that him and Q they could calculate the drops of water in the ocean. So we're talking about a very serious and rubber um, Feldman once mentioned him, called him a Gavaltka Tana, somebody who really knew his stuff. And here he is, and he says, Kinin, bird offerings, Upiskei Nido, the menstrual cycle of women, the commencement, uh, effectively Taras Mishpacha, these are the fundamental basics of Halacha. And then he adds, an astronomy which I suppose I've seen in one Sefer where it talks about the setting of the months and the, and the Chodoshim and the Yom Tevs and Gematris, which is the mathematics um, are just seasonings of the wisdom they're almost by the way and here we have Kinin bird offerings are the fundamental basic of Halacha something that hasn't been carried out for nearly 2,000 years whereas women's menstrual cycles and Taras Mishpacha is to date, I mean tomorrow morning first thing I'm going to Eretz Yisrael I'm going to go to a place called Modi'in just to see a friend of mine Modi'in is not a hotbed of Haredi religious activity in fact it's where the Chiloni go uh, to get away from it and yet they cannot build a, a, a neighbourhood without a mikvah where I live in the marina in Herzliya in the constitution of that marina, which they don't really know much, they've got to have a mikvah. Why? Because people live there. So that would be the fundamental basics. Now, let me read you before we go into it. I managed to print these off. And I don't normally get aggravated or irritated, but this did. I'm going to read you something 
from this and then I'll tell you where it comes from. This is two explanations on the uh, on, on, on this kinin in Pirka Ovas. The laws of bird offerings, these are areas of study which may appear to be unworthy or unattractive subject for the true scholar. The Mishnah therefore emphasizes that no study of Torah law is to be taken lightly. Such laws are essential. Other pursuits like astronomy and mathematics might be very attractive. Uh, this is a little bit from Rashi. Okay. This is written by the editorial board of the Art Scroll. Right. I also found a more updated one that came from a very eminent Rosh Hashiva in America. I'm not going to mention his name. And in his Sefer, he says, the Mishnah teaches us a valuable lesson. The mind enjoys, like astronomy and mathematics, are great by important basic laws, such as the laws of bird offerings and menstrual cycles. Well, that's just an example. Although they are difficult to master, we must get it. All I can tell you is that the people who wrote this and had never learnt Kinyin. Because I believe if they had, they wouldn't have said anything like that. Because I think it misses the point completely. And having studied this subject in great detail over the last several years, um, and I've gone through the Mephorashim, and I've gone through everything to every one of them, the Rosh, the Ravad, the Meferesh, the Arkina, uh, I think they've missed the point completely. Now, having given that sort of brief instruction, first of all I would like to say that this is in the week of my mother's yard site and I'm very happy that I can actually talk like this because Mesechta Kinim is basically a female orientated uh, and to talk about this in the week of my mother's yard site I think is, is a good for the Neshama. Yeah, exactly. And I'd also of course want to thank in order the Rav and the President uh, for allowing me to do this. I'm under absolutely no illusions. If it wasn't for this Masechta, I wouldn't be standing here. And also my very good friend Sam Lyons, whose wife is unfortunately not well in Yerushalayim, Haile Bas Victoria, and I hope that this will give some aliyah to her neshama. Okay. Okay, now, um, let me just, before even going into it, because I know that a lot of people are not familiar with this, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to give a very brief introduction based on the first two Mishnahs. Then I'm going to give you some basic calculations that uh, show you how it it operates. Then I will give you something that is considered to be one of the more complex problems. Therefore, I, I, I just give you an idea how complex it is. I will then give you very briefly why I believe and why it is believed that Kinin takes priority over Nidor and in fact I'm not making it, it's in the Mishnah and the last thing that I want to do before finishing off is to take what you would have thought was a complex mathematical uh, calculation which they talk about and I want to show you that using just a little bit of information in the Mishnah in the Mishnah tells you how to do it that really well, at least it's relatively straightforward to me. But I believe that if I do go through it, it will be relatively straightforward to the item, I would hope. And that will demonstrate that you don't really have to see. If I tell anybody I've done kinim, what do I hear? Ah, you must be good at maths. Uh, no. Uh, I also heard that when I started accountancy. Everybody said, ah, you must be good at maths. Actually, I found that the best accountants were not good at maths. 
If I ask three and five, I want my accountant to tell me minus two. I do, I do not want to hear mathematics. And I will prove, before we finish in the next 20 minutes, that you don't need to be a master of mathematics, that if you use some basic logic, even a pre boy could work it out. I'm not saying that applies to all the calculations, because the last three uh, are in a different league. I mean, I have produced, and I sent it to Ailey's Got It, I took, I pr- have you got it as well? Did you see it? You see my Ben Azai to prove how Ben Azai said his two katos. Can I tell you something? That took me several weeks. And I had to calculate and prove it. Ben Azai did it in his head. I mean, he did... Oh, you've seen it? Oh, well, I'm very happy to hear that. And anybody who wants to see it is more than welcome to do it. Is He did it in his head. Now... I am, okay, I'm not saying I have uh, Imperial uh, College, Oxford University level mathematics, but I have a certain skill in maths. It took me several weeks to do the calculation. And in fact, I've done all the calculations. There's a dozen of them. I've done them all. And I once said to David Chanto, who was a bit bemused by it, I said, you know what, I've done all this, and then I've looked in the Mishnah, and it's right. How, and it's right. I mean, I mean, it's taken me weeks and using, and they didn't have these systems. Anyway, let's make a start and rattle through this and see how we can, how we do. I mean, basically, the Kinim starts off by saying, Now, I'm not going to talk about, uh, Zvochim. I'm not going to go into how the sacrifices are done or the difference between a Chatos. That's not today. But fundamentally, just imagine this as part of the equation. You have a Mizbeach, and there is a line on the Mizbeach. And you have two obligatory offerings to bring for a woman who's given birth. One is above the line, and one goes below the line. And the Mishnah says that Chatos unlike with animals, goes above the line. And then it says that the Eulers go below the line. And if you do it wrong, or you mix it up, it's all possible and you have to start all over again. It also talks about the different types of kinin, which I really don't think is necessary for today because it's not going to really get us very far. But what I am going to tell you is this, is that if a katos, whether a bird gets mixed up with 10,000 other animals or birds, they've all got to be destroyed. That's how important it is. And the same with an oiler. Once you've designated a pair of birds or a pair of animals, and you have said, this is my chatos, or this is my oilo, that's it. There's no going back from that. Now, uh, with birds it's a bit different again, because the woman can go and buy the birds, she's given birth, because basically it's a birth-driven thing, although there are many other, I think it's half a dozen uh, other ways you can do it, but we'll just stick with birth. So the woman brings her... Uh, her thing. Now, she can either designate it herself or she can give it to the Cohen, and the Cohen makes the decision and he deals with it. Right. So, in, so when we go into the Mishnah base, and I think as I talk it through, I think you'll get to understand it better. I think it's best by example. It says, A chatos that gets mixed up with an oila, or an oila with a chatos, or an oila gets mixed up with a chatos. Even one in ten thousand, the whole lot is gone. They all die. 
and a chatos and a chatos that gets mixed up with a pair of other ones, other birds, and kosh ela kaminyan chatos This is our first calculation. Listen to this. A chatos. I have a chatos bird over here. Or I could have an euler bird over here. It, it doesn't matter. It's the same. And I have two birds that I've designated for the korban, but I haven't yet identified which is the chatos, this is the basic stuff, and which is the euler. And my bird, which is the chatos, because birds are a lot like animals that are fairly docile and you can put them through a thing and hit them and you've got your mask there. This bird flies in and now mixed up with the two birds. Now we've got three birds. I'll go into a few moments about whether they should be pigeons or turtle doves, but just keep it simple. We've got one chatos that can't get mixed up with anything else. It gets mixed up with two birds that this woman is going to bring as an oiler and a chatos, but she hasn't designated it. What do we do? Well, the Mishnah says, effectively, we just take it as the lowest common denominator, which is one chatos. Why? Because, if, what's the worst that can happen? If I take a bird out of those three, and they all look identical, it could be the original chatos. Or, it could be one of the pair that were not designated. And if I happen to pick one of the pair that were not designated, then I've got myself a chatos. So therefore, the mission starts off very basic. If I've got... Um, uh, three birds mixed together I can only use one and that becomes my chatos or an oiler and the other two get destroyed and that's the end of it take it a little bit more complicated let's say I have four oilers and I've got them sitting there they could be voluntary oilers but they're four oilers that I've got sitting there and over there I've got two little birds mind their own business and they've been designated now those four birds go along, get involved with the two birds and we don't know which is which what do we do? we've got six birds, all look exactly the same we know how serious it is to have a chatos or an oiler which one are we going to do? same system, we know that there has to be at least one oiler or one chatos and the other five get destroyed because either we're going to pick one of the four or we're going to pick one of the two as long as they're not designated we're fine I'm not going to talk today about what happens when they are because life is too short for that and we will deal with that, uh, deal with that separately now uh, I want to just actually skip a bit because uh, I'm trying to build up this sort of image but what I will do is I'm going to give you an example of what really did cause me complications I'm not going to give you the solution because to give you the solution I'd have to get my grid and, the light, and it took a long time but here is a situation a woman comes along and this is the third Mishnah of the second Peric and she, one woman comes along and she's got one pair and another woman comes along when I say pair it means two birds designated birds or not designated, um, yeah, oilers, ordinary, yeah, sorry, yeah, but they're, de they're designated for a carbon, I'm sorry, you're right, but it's designated for a carbon. And there's two, and another one brings three, and another one brings four, another one brings five, another one brings six, and another one brings seven. That's 56 birds in total, 
all sitting patiently in the base of Migdosh waiting for the Kayan to do something about it. And then it says, Parasmin or Ishoina. One bird flies from the single pair and goes to the second pair. And then a bird goes from the second pair and goes to the third pair. And then a bird goes from the third pair, we don't know which they are, goes to the fourth pair. And then from the fourth pair to the fifth pair. From the fifth pair to the sixth pair. And from the sixth pair to the seventh pair. Now we've got 15 birds there. One bird there. We've still got 56 and it's chaos. But now it gets even more tricky. The bird flies from the, the, the 15 down to the 6, down to the 5, down to the 4, down to the 3, down to the 2, and we're back where we started. But who knows which bird is what. Okay. To calculate this out, <laughs> it took a long time, I had to create a grid because the missioner gives you the formula. All the missioner says is, well, you know, one bird leaves, disqualifies, another one arrives, disqualifies, another one leaves, disqualifies. And back then the mission gets even more complicated because once it's eliminated the two, three, and four, then the birds keep flying backwards and forwards. And the birds keep flying backwards and forwards until there's none left. How is it done? Well, I can tell you it took me a long time. I used grids, I used an algorithm, I used a, everything you can think of, and it came out exactly to the bird. Not to the penny, but to the bird. Right. So that is a situation about where you need a formula, and the Chachomim gave us that formula to do it. You just got to find it and apply it. Now, this is actually quite an interesting one, and then we can move on to the real Tachlis. The fifth, fifth Mishnah in the second parak. Chatos min Khan for Oilem Khan. We've got an Astoimba We've got a Chatos here. We've got an Euler, I'm sorry, I've got to do it the right way around. An Euler here and a Chatos here. Sorry, if I don't do it the right way around, I get confused. Okay, so there's my Euler and there's my Chatos. And there's there, and we've got two birds in the middle. Well, no, it says, Ostoma Beemtso. Well, we could actually, no, we've got two birds in the middle, and I can tell you why, because one flies, Parasmin, I'm, I'm reluctant to contradict, but I'm afraid I have to. Parasmin Aemsa, only on this, nothing else. Parasmin Aemsa, one flies from the middle to one side, and the other one goes to the other side. They're not designated. No, but there's a pair. So they're not designated, and there's a pair. Now, the Mishnah says, like we haven't lost anything. Why? Because they weren't designated. So we could say that this bird that went there joined the Katos is a Katos, and that bird that joined the Isla is an Isla. Therefore, we haven't learned anything. Where the problems start is if the bird flies back. Now we've got birds back in the middle. I'm afraid if we can't fix them up, they've got to die. Any bird that leaves the safety of our designated Euler and Katos once that gets into the middle and the Mishnah seems to assume that every time that happens uh, that is uh, that's it we're never going to tell the difference we can never be sure then that's the end of it and if they all end up in the middle they all have to die but we have the formula as long as it does. Now, this is a very interesting point, and I'm really not quite on the subject, but I think it is interesting because it will set us up very nicely when we come to the next one. What order do we bring these birds in? 
And these Mishnas, although there's only 15 of them, I suppose in theory you could end up with 30 of them because really some of them should be split. Don't you, you agree with that? I mean, you know, I've got, like, especially the last one, you've got all the Agadita stuff mixed up with the Ben-Azai calculation. I mean, it's really, um, they didn't make it easy. Right. So now we've got a very interesting thing here, which I'm going to go on to, because it's a bit of a sidetrack, but I think it's interesting. What comes first? An Isla or a Hatos? You know, can we just bring them in any order? Or can we just simply do that? And the Mishnah says here, uh, you've got to bring pairs. The Torah is very clear. You've got to make them pairs. You can't have one pigeon and one turtle dove. You have to have two of the same. And if you bring them up, then it all has to start again. And then the Mishnah brings up this final point here on the second parik. Kate said, how does this work? The woman comes along, this is the Tanakama talking, brings a katos that's a turtle dove. And then she comes along with a pigeon. Tichpal, she has to repeat it all over again. Because what he's effectively saying is, katos takes priority. So if he comes along, and make it very simple, if she comes along with an isla, and then comes along, uh, which is one bird, and comes along with a khatos, which is another bird, I'm afraid we have to bring another isla, because we have to follow the khatos. That is the Tanakama. But Benazai says, uh, We always go after the first. Uh, we always go after the first, that's it. And then it just finishes off, uh, just a little point here, that if a person, if a woman brings her khatos and then dies, but she hasn't brought her isla, then the, the, the inheritors, the Eurasian, have to bring it. But if she dies having brought the isla, they don't bring a khatos, because you can only bring a khatos, somebody's alive. Right, now, there's no explanation. But, the Sifri gives an explanation, as quoted by the Ravad, which I've been through. Now, it's really quite, quite very interesting, actually. You see, you have to look at the Pasukim. I brought it, I actually photocopied it here. And I've got a posuk here that says, uh, number seven. There you go. One's a chatos, oila. Chatos comes before oila. That's fine. But, Ben Azai will say, well, first of all, that's not talking about a woman giving birth we've got to look to another posuk and you should look in Sazria and Sazria says in the fifth uh, in the fifth, fifth posuk of Sazria it says now according to this posuk you're going to bring an isla before a chatos whereas the other posuk said a chatos before an isla so, according to the Sifri, if you go into it in detail, I'm just going to summarise it. He says, look at the end of the Posuk, because the end of the Posuk says, And he says, that is the one that makes it a Khatos, because it's all to do with a Khatos. Ben Azai says, you're talking about something completely different. So, you've got this, why is that important? Because I can, from what I can see, and I, if you look in the Ravad, in fact, it does seem that they would normally agree 
What comes first is of the importance. Why is that important? Because Rabbi Eloza ben Chisma Aina, Kinin or Pischei Nida, Hain Hain Gufa Alokas. He puts Kinin ahead of Nida. Right. Now I'm just going to finish off. I'm going to bring you an example, and then I'm going to show you how you can do this example in less than a minute and a half. In fact, I think you can do it in a minute. But to get that, I had to do a lot of mathematics to get to that solution. Look at this case here, and I brought this as an example, which is the second Mishnah in the third Peric of, of Kinim. And we, the first Mishnah said that when you've got women bringing equal numbers, then we just split it down the middle, and you know we, we work out a solution. But now the Mishnah says we've got a problem. And I'm going to read this out. Echod lezu, one brings one pair, Ushtayim lezu, and another brings two pairs. Ushlaish lezu, and one brings three pairs. Ve'esel lezu, and another brings ten pairs. Umer lezu, and one brings a hundred pairs. I mean, it's just a, a, a understanding. And he's, they say here, Mechetzer kosher, or Mechetzer pos, or Kulamatan. But, if they all, that's if you put one up above and one below. But what happens if you, the coin splits it? Now I'm going to give you this little example and then we can finish. Rachel brings ten pairs of birds. And that's her thing. Ten birds, not designated yet, just ten birds. Leo comes along and she's got a hundred pairs. I use ten and a hundred because it's easier figures, but you can do it with any mathematics. It always works out the same. So we've got 110 pairs. And that's 220, well, not yet, not mixed up yet. They're, the women are doing the right thing, according to what I've seen. It's a coin that misses you up. And the, and, uh, the coin, coin do not come out very well, especially in the third pair. I mean, there's some things that I've seen about the coin, but perhaps if there's coin there, perhaps I shouldn't say. But this Kainim here do not come where they like the drink, they had bad temper, they were being patient with the women. 220 birds is enough to drive anybody nuts. Now, he's got these 220 birds. There, well, because he's got one, because Leah brought 100 pairs, it's 200, and, it, and the other one brought. And the Mishnah says, and, and, and what does he do? He doesn't ask any questions because you know from the first Mishnah. You know, there's a machloikas between the Rambam and everybody else about what he didn't consult. Everybody says they didn't consult with the best in. Rambam goes into a completely different section. He says, he says, no, that's not a problem. He didn't discuss it with the woman. Now you've got 220 birds. And the Koran puts 110 above the line. And he puts 110 below the line. As though it was only one woman. He goes back he's got two women there and they're not happy you know because this is expensive what can you do now there is a clue we've got two clues first of all the Mishnah gives you a clue and it says Hamaruba kosher the answer is the majority is kosher doesn't tell you why doesn't tell you how if you look at the Mephorashim, it's all in narrative. If I said to you 30 plus 40 minus 6, take the square root, multiply by 2, that's 16. Great, we can do it in our heads. Try writing that down in narrative, in ancient language. Not so easy, and that's why I think a lot of people struggle, because the Mephorashim are not helping them. They're not doing them in the way that perhaps it should be presented. Now, how are we going to do? What are we going to do with Rotler and what are we going to do with Leia? Well, we've got, a, we've got two clues. One is... We go with the smallest group, 
And we've got another clue that say we go with a majority. Conflict. How are we going to get around it? I'll give you one minute and we'll see if we can work it out. First thing we say is this. Take Rachel. What's the worst thing that could possibly have happened to Rachel? She brought 10 pairs, that's 20 birds. If 16 go above and 4 go below, well, she's overbrought 6 above and she's short 6 below. That's not the worst. The worst is from Rochel that all 20 were brought above the line. That's the worst. Can't get any worse than that. But then she's got 10 legitimate oilers, but she's got to go to market and buy another 10. And that's Rochel. She walks away. She knows she's got to buy 10 birds. Gets compensation, doesn't get compensation. Neither that. She owes Beis Migdosh, the Mizbech, 10 chatos. Because of her 20 birds, 10 were kosher on oilers, and it works the other way around as well, and 10 were apostle. And she walks away. Now we've got Leah. Now let's think about this. What's Leah going to do? Well, the first thing Leah can say is, if the worst thing that Rachel could do was 20 birds, and there was 110 brought above the line, how many did Leah go to Leah? 90. 110 minus 20 equals 90. So, we can say by default, Leah brought 90. So now the above the line looks like this. 10 kosher rochel, 10 posel rochel, 90 kosher uh, Leah. But the 90 is less than 100, so all Leah owes above is another 10. So she goes to market and she goes and gets another 10, uh, 10 oilers to make up her 100. But now we're below the line and we've got 110. Well, we know they're not Rochels because we've dealt with Rochel with her 20. So the 110, um, Ray Sipsar Lockita, if there's any lawyers here, or um, Quantum Error Demonstratum, or Ipso Facto, those 110 must be Leah's. But Leah was only supposed to bring 100. Therefore, there's 10 possible birds below the line. So now let's think of it again. 10 kosher rochel, 10 treif rochel, 90 kosher layer. That adds up to 110. Below the line, 100 kosher chatos, 10 posel chatos. What is the largest group? Hamaruba kosher. Well, we, it's not what you would think you would think that it'd have to be the largest group of one woman. Oh, no, it isn't. The mission didn't say that. It just says the largest quantum. The largest quantum is 200. What are the 200? That's the 100 below that Leah brought. Fine. We know that 90 above were kosher for Leah. That's 190. We know that 10 oilers were kosher for Rochel. That makes 200. So we have taken... The minority view, it's like reversing into a parking space, the hub deal. You've taken that there and you've now created what the Mishnah says. It gives you the formula. I'm not saying that everybody agrees with it, but from what I've seen, that's pretty close. But you just don't get it in narrative. Right, just before I, I, I finish... I just want to just uh, say just a couple of things which I'm very, very hesitant to say and I thought about this long and hard. 
and I'm going to say it in a very way there's the testament that's not the Old Testament that has a, a chap a thing called, that rhymes with Duke that is referred to in a cipher from the 16th century written by a, role, a well-known person which I won't say yet who cross-references with that and it seems that the Kinnin procedure is described in more detail in there which we don't look at and yet Rabbi Los Ben Chisma must have known this he must have known it, otherwise he wouldn't have written it. Okay, so in conclusion, you know, it, now in three months' time is going to be Pesach. And after Pesach, we're going to start saying Pirka Ovis. And we're going to say Mishnah Gimel three times, at least. And you're going to say this last Mishnah, oh, Rabbi Lozameh Kisma Aima, you're going to say if as a result of this little talk today you know people will now stop and instead of just rattling it through and then saying it then uh, my uh, job's been done then you've got to remember me thank you very much